I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind, and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes him feel mellow. Welcome to I Like Beer, the podcast where we discuss great beers and the stories that go with them. I'm your host, Jeff. And I'm your host, Jeff. And with us today, um, we've got Tom. Glad you can make it, Tom. Check one, two. Glad to be here, gentlemen. Aloha. Yeah. Apparently, Joe and Todd didn't get the message or they're on a vacation and didn't tell the rest of us, but they, they did not make it tonight. So you're a sound guy, producer, and a doctor today. That's right. Nice. Triple threat. Triple threat. All for the same great pay. Yep. Looking forward to that paycheck. We all are. Hey, we are friends who love good beer and telling stories, so we turned it into a podcast. And as we always will say, award-winning, but I was thinking about this as, as 2020 is starting to close, right? We're getting down to the final months. Beersies are going to come up again. So I'm wondering what categories we may get nominated for this year. It could be amazing. Plus, if Joe were here, we could ask how internationally renowned we are and how what our, what our uh, demographics are looking in what countries in Europe. So, Well, we'll have them catch us up next time. Next time, yeah. We are teachers by day, beer drinkers by night, and lucky enough to live in North County, San Diego, California, where it's sunny and warm all year long, home to over 200 breweries and tap rooms. Again, welcome. Pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and join us. And of course, find and follow us on social media at I Like Beer the Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I Like Beer the Po one, I Like Beer the Ta one on Twitter. And uh, make sure you visit our website, I Like Beer the Podcast.com, to learn more about us and check out the newsletter. Follow, subscribe, like, comment, download all those things that help us spread the word about our little podcast. And again, don't, you know, if you want to drink with us, don't forget you can virtually toast and, and friend us on Untapped so we can drink together. Uh, we're easy to find. You can find pretty much all of us under I Like Beer, the podcast. And uh, we look forward to meeting you guys. Picked up a few new people over the last couple of days. All right. Yeah. So we've told a few stories, Talent, about our brewery road trips for our annual PGW trip. Canceled this year. True. Not to whine because everybody had everything canceled this yes, year. Yeah. We missed our trip up to Canada. We've been lucky enough to be welcomed to many, many amazing breweries, big and small, all up and down the West Coast. And, and very few regrets in either terms of less than spectacular beers or, or breweries that we missed that we had on our must-go list. But one of our missed opportunities was a brewery in Tumwater, Washington. That's correct. It's uh, Triceratops Brewing Company. Probably one of the coolest names I've, for a brewery because, again, anything named after dinosaurs is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then that brewing company also, uh, we, we do a, a shirt. It actually made the shirt. We were all planned to, to head there. But unfortunately, the way the itinerary hit, it was on Easter Sunday. And, uh, and rightly so, uh, as we were heading for there, they did not get to visit them because they spent time with their families, which is what they should be doing. And so we, <laughs> we missed it. But the only bonus out of that was is that because we missed that, we ended up going to Tacoma, Washington and went, visited what was it, Odd Otter. And yeah. that, was a, that was a cool brewery. And uh, found a really cool beer there. They had that watermelon lager, which uh, I, I loved. And I, so that was so again, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's uh, uh, you get lemons, you make lemonade. We were able to kind of find <laughs> another some other cool places. And I'm sure we'll be back up there one time and actually visit Triceratops in person. However, however, today we get to make up for that missed opportunity. And it's taken far too long, but we are taking a virtual field trip to Triceratops Brewing Company, Washington. So let's welcome our special guests from Triceratops, Rob Horn and Ben Keen. Welcome. How's it going? Thanks for having us. 
yeah, we're excited. Thanks for taking the time to kind of call in and figure out how to work. We, we were commenting on this, trying to get everybody so we can see you and hear you and stuff is is uh, is a bit of a challenge, but we we got it all figured out and we're real excited to have you guys here and, and give you guys an opportunity to kind of share your story with us. And we probably should start with the beer. Rob, should we start off with this uh, lager you have for us? Um, Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and start with that one. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Dr. Stingles? So the beer is named after um, a gentleman that I know. He's a radiologist. That's why there's a uh, x-ray hand on the can there, um, which he informed me that the guy's hands, knuckles are broken. So I guess he was a, an x-ray of a fighter that uh, my label guy found online. But anyway, um, so my kids go to a small private school along with his kids. And this was kind of a way for me to reach into that community. Um, he's pretty well renowned. His family's been at the school longer than ours has. So uh, he had said, name a beer after me and I'll get a bunch of people to come to your brewery. And <laughs> But yeah, no, he, uh, Joe, his name's Joe Stangle. He's a good friend of mine. Um, he's shown support to us from the time that this was just a dream to, to now. So I felt, you know, when it, when it comes to naming a lot of my beers, I like to, to pay respect to the people that, you know, supported me from the beginning when we were just growing in our garage. All right, I've got my beer opened and poured. I, I've already drank almost three quarters of the can. Oh, it's a great beer. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna let you do more of the talking. I'm just gonna keep enjoying it right now. But it's it's no, it's really good. And I dig the can. The can is really cool. It's aromatic. It does not smell like an American pilsner that has that sort of blandness to it. It has a wonderful smell. I guess you'd say bouquet if you're a wine drinker. Rob, tell us what we should expect as we take a sip of this. Um, expect to taste Heineken that doesn't taste skunky. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good description of it. So I, I, I think it's a good, it's, it's got a good flavor to it, but you're right. It tastes, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, refreshing. It's got some hops in there. A little hop. That I wouldn't expect in a Heineken. Pretty balanced. My brewing style comes from a period of time when beer was most influential to me. And that was my way younger years. And Heineken was one of those beers before there was a lot of craft options that I could get my hands on and be able to drink. And, you know, I have a, a couple of other beers that are, that's where that influence comes from. It's a very um, like mid nineties kind of influence uh, where craft beer was starting to really pop um, and take off, but not quite yet. I grew up in New Jersey. I had Boston lager. I had Yingling. I had Brooklyn lager, um, long trail, Saranac and uh, shipyard and, Heineken, and that was basically it, and Guinness, and that was basically it when it came to uh, imports and craft beer. So when I when I try to formulate a beer, I try to bring out all of those things that I liked about the characteristics of those beers, and then you know also make them my own and and put a little twist. Um, one of the things I did with with all of my lagers is at at sixty, I'll throw in half a pound of either citra or a, a, a zaka or german monroe um into the boil it just gives it a little bit of like kind of a light citrusy note this beer was german monroe so you'll get a very faint berry that'll marry right into the rest of the hops and like you said it's a, a rather refreshing and not too um a light american pilsnery i wanted to have a little bit more uh meat to it uh so to speak yeah a little more body it's excellent. It has a, a real subtle zestiness. So that must be from the, the German Monroe that just a little bit of a, not quite lemony, but citrusy zest in it. 
I could drink a lot of these. And what that does for me is two things. I, um, it'll keep my kettle from overboiling by throwing just a little bit of hops in right at the beginning of boil. But also it brings out, I think it just brings out the malt. I, I enjoy dancing with malt more than I do with hops, to be honest with you. So there, there might, I believe there's a quarter pound of honey malt in that beer too. Um, just to give that little bit of sweetness. Yeah, I guess I do pick up a little bit that it's not sweet in the way that an American Pilsner is sweet, which I don't care for, you know, a traditional American Pilsner. But it does have, I guess it comes across more as a balance of that, because you do pick up a little bit of the hot bitterness. Yeah. It mellows that out. Yeah, yeah the balance is there. That's it. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic. What a, what a way to start. <laughs> thank you for, yeah, for, thank sharing you for sharing with, it with us. us. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. We've got Ben Keen and Rob Horn here. Can you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves and, and what you do at Triceratops? What, your, what, what roles do you play? Ben, you want to go first? Sure. I am the sales guy and sometimes marketing guy. And I've been with Triceratops not quite a year now, um, which, uh, you know, given the pandemic, this somewhat unfortunate timing for a sales guy. Yeah, it's a challenging <laughs> year to be the sales guy. It's been a challenging <laughs> year. Um, but uh, yeah, I met Rob uh, a while ago as a beer writer, which is my sort of other gig and my before gig, uh, covering the industry for like 10 years now. And I was visiting Tumwater in Olympia, did manage to uh, make it to Triceratops uh, in person. <laughs> I liked a lot of his beers and we kind of stayed in touch. And uh, yeah, just as things happen, you know, you kind of bump back into people. Um, and so I reconnected with Rob, I guess it was last fall, and then started uh, with him in December 2019. And, uh, you know, as bosses go, he's an all right guy. <laughs> Your options for that answer are limited with him here in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And Rob? I'm just a guy that's happy to have Ben as my salesperson. <laughs> Everyone should be so lucky. Yeah, I know. I'm the owner, brewer, mop the floors, do deliveries. You know, pretty much everything else right now. Um, we picked Ben up last December, like he said. We were on pace to possibly employ a couple more people, and then COVID hit, and it's been him and I just like you know, just you know, Starsky and Hutching it, trying to keep it going. And we've been, you know, we've been pretty fortunate. So I was a firefighter before I started the business. Um, my kids, like I mentioned before, were going to a private school. My wife wanted to supplement our income with that, so I started brewing out of my garage. I was still a fireman uh, up here at uh, Fort Lewis or Joint Base Lewis-McCord, as it's called now. So we, we started the brewery in our garage, and it was just enough to make the payments for the kids' schooling. And then after some little bit of success, a couple of awards and stuff, my wife had suggested that I leave the fire service and start open up the brewery full time. And then, and while that was going on, she got hired at the school. So they wavered all tuition. So we didn't have this tuition bill. And I was like, you know what? Like I only live once. So I cashed in my retirement and I paid cash for everything. 
So that's where we're really lucky. I know there's a lot of breweries out there that aren't as fortunate to not have to pay a huge amount of financing for all their right. equipment and, and their space and everything like that. So um, it just happened to be the way that it went. And, you know, the first two years that we were open in Tumwater, we didn't have Ben. I had a couple of people helping me out that were local that wanted to dabble in beer sales, but really was, you know, they, they did fine. But in order for us to go to the next level, mean, mainly me getting a paycheck, I was going to have to hire somebody like Ben <laughs> me and with, with everything. So we were on pace. We were on pace for him to actually get a salesperson underneath him within a couple of months um, and, and really start to take off. And then COVID just put the stops to it. So, you know, here we are. We're, we're managing. We're still making it. Um, you know, nobody's taken, nobody's kicked me out of my space yet. So we're fine. <laughs> you know what I, I'm hearing, talent? Firefighter, brewer, teacher. This is a family full of heroes. Yeah, American heroes. Types, I agree. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. no wonder they wanted to spend time with each other on yeah. Easter instead of yeah. meeting yeah. a van full of idiots from San Diego. That's exactly right. <laughs> And their priorities, they've got their priorities straight and right. I, I that's, how we came I up with that. the, that's how we came up with the name uh, Triceratops. It was my last name's Horn, and I've got three kids. So I've got three horns. So what else has three horns but a Triceratops? Oh, okay. yeah. so, nice. That's brilliant. That is great. And I'm yeah. Pretty much, the, I want to keep the project going as long as I can to pay for them to go to college. And then once their college tuition is paid for, then... We'll see where the business goes from there, but I don't have these grand, you know, dreams of becoming a millionaire doing Man, that. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be. That's a big job. I would like to employ a couple of people and support a couple of families, but that's about it. Yeah. So, so that's, that's us. In yeah, I'm totally fine with becoming a millionaire eventually. Yeah. Ben's got the millionaire. <laughs> that's okay with me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got the millionaire doing something else, you know. That's true. <laughs> so let, let me ask you, I think you kind of nailed the, the origin story in some ways, but for you, what's your background with regards to brewing? You know, how did, how did you get into the home brewing part of it that, that, you know, evolved to where you are now? Um, so I brewed, I brewed, the first time I brewed a beer was in 1997 and it was like in a five gallon bucket. The beer was horrible. We used John Bull malt extract. I don't even know if you can get that anymore. It was in a can. Uh, me and a buddy of mine did it, and uh, it didn't turn out too well. Well, I had two friends that liked it because it was free, <laughs> but it was pretty horrible beer. And um, so then I kind of – I always liked the idea. I was always interested in it. I I, um, I thrived in chemistry and biology in school when I was younger and stuff, so I kind of had this like kind of an interest in it. Um, and then I brewed, I want to say, maybe three batches back in New Jersey. And then I took a hiatus for a little while while I got into the fire department and the fire service. And then I got a job out here. I came out here and my first day on the job, I got assigned a mentor. Um, his name was Donald Wasson and he was my captain. And I'll never forget it. He real quiet guy. We were sitting there watching the news. It was the end of the day. And I looked over at him. I said, so I said, are you, do you like beer? You know, are you into brewing beer? And he's like, yeah. And from there, we just, I started brewing with him for a little while. And then I really started to feel the weight of the stress of the job. And I found that brewing was the way to alleviate it. 
So all the stuff that we'd see at work, and we were covering 12 miles of I-5. Uh, you know, Fort Lewis is the third biggest city in the state when all the troops are home uh, and not deployed. We were a very busy department. I mean, me personally, I was running somewhere around 2,800 calls a year. And that's just me on my, on my shift with my crew. So we were really busy. It, it really did help me quite a bit in alleviating um, the stress. But then what I was finding was I was having, I had to surplus a beer. I just couldn't drink, possibly drink at all. <laughs> so I started to bring it to work. And I knew the guys that liked stouts and I knew the guys that liked lagers and I knew the guys that liked IPAs. And I would just hand 22 ounce bombers out to them and say, hey, just give me the bottles back. Let me know what you think. Good friend. And after doing that for a while, I had a few guys that got married. They wanted me to make beer for their wedding, you know, for for uh, 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 you know different Halloween parties and stuff like that. So I started, you know, making beer for for guys, and then that's what really got me sparked into, you know, if I can get eighty some guys to like my beer, I figured I would have a decent chance of making a living at it. You know, the word hero is not too much. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> So, yeah, the hero, the hero image is just growing. And yeah, it's right. Yeah, right. yeah, as right. the story goes, brings hey, br- brings free beer to work. I brought you the beer you love. I brewed beer just for you. Yeah. Here, here you go. <laughs> Please drink it and no charge. Yeah. And then one of the one of the other things, the, the one the, the the final piece of that story uh, about how I got started. I knew I was gonna. I wanted to go back to school while I was working for the government because I felt if I got an online class and I was doing it at work, I would be getting paid to go to school. And I only did it while I was at work. And I took the Siebel online class and Siebel Institute of Technology out of Chicago. They're pretty well known brewing school. They offered an online uh, two year online program and I did it all at work. So the government paid for it. And then they also paid me to take the classes. Nice. And, uh, nice. You know, I, I wanted to do it on the on the government's dime. I figured that would be uh, not too bad. So, <laughs> so that's that's how I got to where I'm at now. <laughs> Even a hero to libertarians. That's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben and Rob, if since we missed out on that unfaithful Sunday morning, can you describe your venue, Triceratops Brewing, and the and the community uh, you're in? Can you? Kind of give us a picture of it and for listeners. We're in what they call the warehouse district in Tumwater. There's three relatively brand new industrial buildings that they've put into this into this little uh, part of Tumwater. Um, I have a jelly company next to me. I've got a bakery across the parking lot. Um, there's another brewery in the complex. Or there's a cidery in the complex. I have a guy that distributes pull tabs and punch boards next to me. And then there's a eco-friendly Home Depot at the end of the building that sells cork and wool insulation and uh, biodegradable building products and stuff. So our space is 1,875 square feet. So it's, I think, 25 by 75. Um, and then the, the, the front third of the building is where our bar is, our bathroom and the cold box. And then if you walk past the bar and past the cold box, in the back is where I have a I have a ten barrel system with two twenty barrel fermenters, a twenty barrel bright tank, and then I just picked up a fifteen barrel bright tank from a brewery that closed up here in uh, Seattle. 
bakery, jelly cider place. That sounds so Washington. Eco-friendly Home Depot. That sounds very Washington. I mean, they're only missing a dispensary, I, I yes. guess. Right? <laughs> It'll well, be there that's soon. over in the other buildings, Ben. The dispensary is over on the other side of Alafia, which is a fair trade soap company. <laughs> <laughs> the picture just gets clearer. <laughs> Thanks. You've talked about this a little bit, but maybe you can tell us a little about some of the obstacles or successes that have helped define Triceratops Brewing, your philosophy as a business or as a brewer. We've hit a, quite a few obstacles. We've had some um, just, you know, coming from a world of knowing how to cut open a car and cut a hole in a roof when the house is on fire to running a business in our part of the state. There was a huge learning curve without saying anything too negative about the, the place that I have my, my brewery at the moment. Um, it was kind of challenging because there was not a very distinct and defined chain of communication when it comes to setting up accounts for paying taxes, what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. Um, and then also local community support from our local government um, really isn't there. Um, so that was really challenging at first, but the, the one thing every single time that we ran into an obstacle during this process I just kept going to work. That's what my dad taught me. That's what my grandfather taught me. The worst thing that I can do is not go to work. You know, somebody's going to come and try to say that I can't do this anymore. Okay, that's fine. Tell me I can't do this anymore, but at least I've gotten all this done so that I have I have something. You know, and that that was like the really the the the, the one thing. There was a lot of times where it got really challenging. Uh, especially when it came to dealing with our local government. And uh, our local municipality is not very business friendly, although they are trying to strike a campaign saying that they are, which is really unfortunate because they're completely off the mark on the way that this whole community is supposed to look. But I just kept going to work and just kept grinding away as hard as I possibly could. Um, at the very least, I know I could sleep at night because I'd be exhausted, you know. Um, <laughs> But, you know, with that negative, there's also a lot of positive. Um, I'm home with my kids every single night. Um, I don't have to worry anymore about seeing things that I saw when I had my old job. I don't have to worry about some of the dealings I had and people I had to deal with with my old job that I do now. Uh, the awards, uh, we've gotten a couple of medals from Washington State Brewers Association. I've met some amazing people in the industry, you know. Um, that's that's one thing that I really am thankful for. I've met Ben um, as one of them, along with guys from you know Georgetown Brewing in Seattle to you know uh, Mount Olympus out in Aberdeen to everywhere in between. You know, so it's it's kind of nice to all the different people that I get to meet, and you know, going to festivals are a lot of fun. So I would add that, like from my point of view, a couple of challenges are one. As much of a beer state, I guess, as Washington is, we have like 400 breweries. Right. Tumwater in Olympia is still kind of like a small beer scene. And people, you know, compared to a San Diego, for right. instance, or even a Seattle. Seattle, right, or Portland. People are not as, uh, 
there aren't as many people who sort of embrace local beer and craft beer as as you might expect or as as common in other cities. And I think that's hard is is we're still winning people over. We're still introducing ourselves. And then the other thing that I'm sure you've heard from lots of your guests before is that we're, you know, as Rob said, we're a two-person company and we also self-distribute. And so there are just barriers kind of baked in that uh, are hard to overcome for little breweries like us trying to do our thing when people have all these established distributor networks and handshake deals and relationships that go back decades and decades, you know, between accounts and, and, and brewing companies. So yeah, there, there are things like that that we're up against, but yeah, I think that we've impressed people with our quality. I think everybody who's ever been to the tap room has had a good time and really gets a good sense of who Triceratops is and what it's all about. It's a family friendly place, of course, like as Rob said, with the the whole backstory. Um, and I think that makes everybody feel welcome there. And, you know, from, from my point of view as someone who wasn't there at the beginning and can kind of be somewhat objective, like the beers since I started have gotten better than when I visited Rob just as a fan a couple of years ago. So yeah, it's a mix. It's a mix of challenges and wins, but I'm sure that's not so strange for anybody, at least in 2020. <laughs> to just kind of piggyback with that, that's what I meant by going to work, just making it better. Like, okay, there's a reason why the beer's not selling. Well, there's this or there's that, or, or, or you know, fine tuning my brewing salts or really getting an understanding of, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the you know, water is such an important thing. Um, and out here, once the snow, you, I can tell when the snow melt is gone because my pH changes and I can almost set my watch to it now because I've been doing it for three years. I know that I really have to pay attention to my pH and my, my water composition around mid August when the salmon start to run in Olympia because all the snow melt's gone uh, off of the mountains where we get our water from. And once it starts pulling from the artisanal well, uh, which is our secondary well that we get water from, from our water company, I can tell a huge difference. So there's 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 that when it comes to improving everything and just you know just kept working at it, working at it, working at it. Now I'm at a I'm at a place where I feel comfortable. I still want to move forward on making the beers even better, but at least now I know that I can legitimately sell within our market here in, in Washington with all of those breweries that we have to compete with. Yeah, the community needs to step in if the uh, local politicians aren't going to be supporting it and they need to step up or big soap and big jelly are going to take over. <laughs> what choices are they going to have? That's so, right. A question for both of you. Do you it, Rob, you walked us down some of the uh, styles you grew up with, but, and that you've tried to brew beers for, for the guys at the station, but what about a favorite beer style for you guys? Do you have something that you sort of gravitate toward? I could drink Vienna lager all day long. This one I could drink all day long. I miss Yingling so bad. We make a beer called Pencil Tucky, um, which is a is a my homage to Yingling. I would drink that constantly. Well, not constantly, but I drink that would be my beer choice. Nice. 
And I regularly tell Rob he should brew it more often. <laughs> <laughs> in San Diego and, and actually on some of our tours throughout California, everybody says, I've got to have four IPAs on, on tap. Do you find yourself finding that battle that there's styles you want to make, but IPAs are what sell? Yeah. When I first opened, I brewed seven IPAs in a row and I only have two tanks. And not because that's all I could sell. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's one of them things where I think it, even from the time that I started until now, I think the community's changed a little bit because I think that the consumer is more open to lagers now than they were before. And I think we're just doing this. Beer does this kind of evolutionary thing. And I think it's just, you know, it was these beers and then it, it trans and then it was, you know, the, what was abundant of Germans, you know, German immigrant beers and stuff like that. And then they get watered down and mass produced. And then we come into this craft realm of IPAs and porters and stouts. And then we're getting, now we're transitioning into those German style in beers that the German immigrants were making back, you know, 100, 150 years ago as more craft. And people are understanding that these beers are really good. And you can make a craft version of Coors Extra Gold that you might that your your customer might like more than what Coors Extra Gold's reputation has. Might have a little more flavor. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's that thing is I think that now we're becoming more open to loggers, but to just kind of go back to the IPA. With all of these new hops that are constantly coming out of Oregon and Washington, they're becoming plug and play. You don't have to blend 30% Centennial with 20% Cascade and 5% Chinook in order to get the flavor of pineapple. You can get that right out of Idaho 7. And I think now when you got these hot, these super fruity IPA hops like Idaho 7 and Azaka and Citra Mosaic, now it's just a matter of what do you want to blend and what ratio. It's going to taste delicious. It's going to taste like a you know like a really fruity, uh, robust, uh, crowd pleasing IPA. And IPA, I think, to a lot of new beer drinkers, because there's always new beer drinkers every day. I think that it's a safe word for them. I think that when you go into a tap room and you're not really experienced uh, in what what style of beer that you really are like that you like you you've heard the word IPA before because there's been, you know, history channel shows mm -hmm. telling the history of the IPA. So people feel more comfortable. And I think, and then you also have your diehard fans, which I can totally respect. Um, I was one of them for a long time. Now I try to limit myself a little bit because I get just acid reflux from, from the bitterness. I can't really drink them too much anymore. <laughs> But, you know, there's I think that there's that familiarity and what that does is that makes the ratio of IPA being sold versus any other style so lopsided that what at least every third beer that I'm brewing, even during COVID, is an IPA and it's solely for draft. I don't even put it in cans just so that Ben's got some draft to sell that week. So up here, things are really tight. There isn't a lot of places that are open. And now that the weather's turning... Things are even starting to slow down more for these places, and IPAs are still selling every week. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really, it's really. I think if you're a good brewery and you're talking to accounts and you say we have a fresh IPA, that's basically all they need to know. Whereas if you're trying to pitch them on a different style, you'll say, oh, you know, 
hey, we've got an American Pilsner. Hey, we've got an Irish Red. And they're like, eh, tell me a little more, you know? <laughs> Whereas, you know, otherwise I could just say, hey, yeah, I Triceratops IPA. You want a keg? Yeah, it's it's just like the lingua franca of the Northwest with all the hops in our backyard. That's that's what people speak. Right. <laughs> IPA. It'll be wet hopped and fresh hopped and stuff oh, we, we have to hopped. work harder to get you have right there. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I don't even think they ask whether it's clear Northwest or hazy IPA. You just say IPA, they're on it. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter. There's very few accounts that'll, that won't take a hazy IPA, but it's not because it's our hazy IPA. It's because they don't like hazy IPAs and, you know, they won't, they just won't serve them. Well, we appreciate that you sent us two non-IPAs. We like IPAs just yeah. fine, but our, our palates have kind of burnt out a little bit. And <laughs> we really enjoy seeing what other beers a brewer can make. So I think it's time to talent. You ready to try, try the other one? Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's you want to tell one. us about this one, Rob? Mrs. Voorhees? Okay. So um, Mrs. Voorhees is a peanut butter. It was a, it was a peanut butter stout originally. This year I decided to put a, some salted caramel in it also. Um, I have brewed this beer, I believe this is the fourth batch that I've done. I only do it once a year, right before Halloween. It comes out that week, just to give the accounts enough time to sell it before Halloween, uh, the actual holiday. I named it after Jason Voorhees' mom from Friday the 13th. Yeah, (laughs) I like the can. We shouted this beer out on our Halloween episode, so we've been excited to uh, not only hear about it, but taste it. The color's beautiful. Um, growing up in New Jersey, when I was a kid, I went to camp at the camp that they filmed the movie. Oh, really? When kid, I camped there. It was a, a Boy Scout camp in um, Blairstown, New Jersey, and our uh, our school actually booked the trip. I did. I wasn't a Boy Scout, um, and we went uh, went camping. Got to uh, swim in the lake that Jason Voorhees drowned in. <laughs> so kind of cool. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> kind of cool. That's good story. I've always liked that character. I've always liked that movie the most out of all the. I'm not a huge horror movie aficionado, but I have, you know, I have watched all the, you know, the majority of the major, uh, majorly popular ones, and um, I've always liked his character best. And I just kind of originally had this idea that it would be instead of cookies, you know, that it was this candy style. Uh, so the ratio for the peanut butter extract versus the caramel extract was 70-30 when I brewed it. Um, and then um, I used uh, Amaretti water-soluble um, extract, and they were nice enough to help me with uh, the ratio, the overall ratio um, of what I was looking for. Um, I've used PB2. I've used dried-out peanut butter. Um, but this, this one, I think, translated the best. I like how the, the sweetness kind of creeps on just being a little bit much, and then it starts to really kind of slide back down into a stout and get that stout multi-comfort um, as it finishes out. And then you pick up a little bit of the salt at the end. Yeah. yeah. That, that's exactly what I was going to say is it's really sweet up front to the point where I go, that's a little too sweet. And just as you're thinking that, it yeah. it moves down into the malt, and then you get the salt at the very end. This is fantastic. So I think it... Tastes like a Reese's peanut butter cup is kind of what I was shooting for. Well, that's a delicious beer. That's exactly as good as I thought it was going to be. 
<laughs> and it's a great beer, like a, a great to me, like kind of a winter cold night, just sipping this. It's a great, you know, kind of end of the end of the evening. It's very tasty. Yeah. The smell's great. The color's great. And your the can art is awesome. Yeah. Everything's really cool about it. Yeah. I can't drink seven of them, but I could drink one or two. No, no, I no, you couldn't. Nope. And I don't think it'd be, you'd be worth it. You wouldn't be able to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I think that's one of the things we figured out more too, as we've gotten older, that there are beers that are much better sipped. Yeah. The first beer, you, you could pound that thing. As that beer warms up yeah. too, it'll start to open and it'll, it'll get some really good aroma. Yeah. Who's doing your can art? So a good friend of mine um, who owns a cider company, um, he owns Whitewood Cider uh, here in uh, Olympia. I was actually helping him move his tanks into his new location today. That's what I was doing all afternoon. He went to Evergreen uh, for art and design and marketing and, and, and branding and stuff. And um, I've known Dave for 10 years out of the 15 years I've been living out here. He, him and I have been friends for a long, long time. We have this deal. He'll do my label art, and then I let him wash his kegs at my place. We a little harder system gone. It's <laughs> a good deal. <laughs> So I, I have a couple questions just for you guys real quick on, you kind of talked about the challenges of, of COVID. What are you guys doing? Are you guys open right now? And in, in terms of if people want to get, get your beers and, and uh, what are the best ways for them to, to go and get some Triceratops? Well, if they live in the local area to come on in, we're still, we're open. Um, we have limited seating because our, our indoor space is only 450 square feet. Um, so we have like four, four head tables. Um, but then we have a roll-up door. We keep the door open, so people want to come in. They got to dress accordingly, because uh, uh, just to keep ventilation. And then I have an outdoor seating that's about another 900 square feet. And as long as it's not raining at the time being, um, we're working on uh, getting a, a permanent cover. But that's one of the challenges with the local municipalities that I was speaking of earlier. So uh, we have beer to go. We also have uh, you know you can come in. We have prowlers. We, we do growler fills. Um, and that kind of stuff. And then locally around Olympia, we're only in a couple of spots. And that's only because the majority of our accounts are closed. Um, a lot of the bars uh, um, in Olymp downtown Olympia um, and Tumwater area are not open right now because they don't have the ability to socially distance and, and have outdoor space. So any beer outside of the, the local area um, is then his domain. So he could he could kind of like clarify where it could be found in the greater Seattle area. Broadly speaking, we're available like around the Puget Sound area um, and most heavily between Olympia, Tumwater and Seattle. But yeah, like our the number of accounts that carry us like in 2020 compared to 2019 is smaller because we're in mostly bottle shops and, you know, stores that have got cooler space for cans because honestly, you know, I'd say 85% of our draft accounts aren't there right now. Yeah. They're not open right now. Yeah. So, but, so, uh, but we, we, as I mentioned, we self-distribute and, Right now, until we, you know, make the leap to the our million dollar year, uh, we are only in Washington State. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. What are your core beers? Like I said, if people are looking for beers, besides, I mean, we've had two beers here that you, you know, we've talked about two beers. What are some of the core beers that people should be looking for for you guys? Um, when it comes to uh, IPA and, and 
so I don't really care to do IPAs too much in cans, only because of the shelf life that's involved. Because you know, uh, you know, trying to be sensible about this, um, we're now canning sixty percent of our production product, mm -hmm. and we're now competing with every Tom, Dick, and Harry that has a brewery. Right, right. We're all canning. So one of the things in order to protect my brand that Ben and I felt would be best is to make sure that the beers that are in cans are the ones that are going to have a little bit more shelf stability. So IPAs, unless it's a, a summer IPA or AKA Brute, I know Brute can be a dirty word, um, IPA, uh, we don't really tend to put too much of that in cans. But what we do, uh, we ha I have this, this series of IPAs called Liquid Swords. Um, I'm a Wu-Tang fan. Uh, Genius is my favorite <laughs> artist out of the whole group. Um, he had an album called Liquid Swords. And what we do is we designate each batch with a chamber number. So we're at chamber number 23 uh, right now. And that is, that's our bread and butter IPA uh, that, you know, it's always different, which is nice. I'm putting it out there that it's always different. I'm not trying to make the beer the same all the time because there's just too many variables for that to begin with in the craft world. Um, but uh, that's one that is, uh, that if, if, if people were, um, that's the one that can go at the uh, chain pizzeria and also be in at the, the more boutique craft beer bars uh, from uh, here and, you know, and North on uh, the Puget Sound. So the, that's one that I get a lot of phone calls. Uh, when's the next series coming out? Where can I find it? Um, but like, again, it's an IPA. So there's a lot more people looking for that beer. Um, and then there's uh, Pencil Tucky, which is my Vienna lager. I've been told it's my flagship. Uh, it's my favorite beer. Um, it's one that I really enjoy making. I really enjoy drinking. People get really excited about it. Um, it is, you know, it's my beer. Um, I have a beer named after each one of my kids. I have a beer named after my wife. I've got a beer named after Ben um, and, you know, Mr. Stangles and a few others, Mr. Voorhees. But the Pencil Tucky was going to be that the beer that would have been named after me if the name <laughs> He wasn't so good and so yeah, it's a great name it's a great name <laughs> no I, yeah, honestly because i'm a huge mexican lager uh fan i love mexican lager so when you start talking about vienna lager i'm like i i need to get myself some of that beer because that's that's going to be right in my wheel oh, it's, so, it's so good like if, if you love mexican modelo yeah yeah you do have some great names. Bohemian Raspberry was yeah. was my favorite. Yeah, that's what I was going to come back next. I, I looked at your names, and, and it makes sense now. You're talking about naming after kids. But you have things like Hans Gruber American Wheat Ale, uh, Land of the Lost, uh, Bohemian Raspberry. I mean, those, Banjo Dog. Uh, so you have some great names. I mean, I don't know if, what, what the stories are on some of those, okay, but that's, so that's always. I could, I could give you some insight on a couple of those. Bohemian Raspberry, there was a, there was a, 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 a uh, an account in Seattle that asked me if I could do a beer for them for pride week because they're right on the pride route. And this, that year's theme of pride week was queen. This was when that movie came out and I had just made a strawberry golden ale. I was a fan of Pete's wicked ale back in the day and he did a strawberry and I loved it. So I had to do it. You know, I've even talked to Pete Salzberg about it. I became friends with him on Facebook over. It's really kind of a cool thing. You know, here's this brewery that when I was younger, I thought was awesome. And now I'm talking to the, to the owner, you know, and, 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 and getting some tips on making that beer. So this beer buyer wanted me to do another beer, but he figured raspberry would work really well. So I made that. So that name I actually didn't come up with. That was the Seattle. Yeah, they were like, we call it Bohemian Raspberry. 
instead of Bohemian Rhapsody to kind of pay homage to Queen. Oh, it's brilliant. This is why we ask, folks. Banjo Dog's one of my favorites. That's Dave White's dog, the guy that does my labels. His dog's Banjo. <laughs> Nice. So his partner, uh, you know, they they come over to house uh, for social distancing. Uh, we we're, we've been good friends with for a long time, and my 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 son absolutely loves his dog Banjo. We tease my son; he's nine. That Banjo and him are spirit animals because they're they're always whenever Dave comes over, Banjo, Ben and Banjo take off to go do whatever in the yard, you know, go play or whatever. So um, I wanted to give you know I had this this brown ale. And uh, we called Banjo, Banjo Brown Dog. So we figured it would just be a good name. Um, and then Hans Gruber, I'm a fan of Die Hard. Who isn't? Best Christmas movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> All my weed ales are named after fictitious German people. I have one called Carl Hunters <laughs> from The Big Lebowski. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, you know, Hans Gruber. So I... I right. I dabbled in trying to go with Hogan's Heroes, but I thought the whole connection with Nazism, I was like, nah, I'm not going to go. Yeah, yeah. Start too early. Something. But, uh, and then their bases for my wheat, the, 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 the Carl Hungus and the Hans Gruber were both bases for my uh, sour program, too. Yeah, some of them are really, you know, you scratched my anchor. I, I'm a fan of. Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I got a little picture of Rodney Dangerfield hanging up behind the bar above the taps. You know, because that was like the running joke between me and the other breweries in the area. I didn't jump onto the hazy train right away when I got open. I didn't want to do it. I went to Siebel. I was taught by Germans. Anything other than the four ingredients and everything has to be clear. It's not considered beer. So I was really reluctant. And I missed I, I, I missed out on it a little bit. I probably could have grew, uh, even have grown my business a little bit quicker. But, you know, hindsight, whatever, we're, we're fine. I'm not worried about it. Once I started doing hazies, people weren't buying them at first. So I started using Rodney Dangerfield names because I felt like I wasn't getting any respect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I've got an update on this Mrs. Voorhees. It's, uh, I, it's I was warmed just up say, a little bit. It's, it's getting it's, so much better creamy yeah. the creaminess smoothness silkiness yeah. of it has really come out. out and the uh sweetness up front has dialed down a, a bit so good call i think it's got what rob seven different kinds of malt in there yeah yep. um it's a lot of complexity there's some oats that give it that creaminess i think yeah no it's it's definitely one of those ones where it was good out of the can cold but you let it like sit for about 10 15 minutes and it goes to a whole nother level uh, in terms of the how how good of a like I said this is a this is for for non uh, hard alcohol like you know people that would sit and sip their their yeah. scotch this is a, you could sit and just sip this yeah. at, you know by a campfire or by a fire and it, what a what a night man it, it opened up fresh as, as a Frank the Tank but it is moving its way toward a Shawshank beer quickly no I totally agree I, well not I quickly think, the point is yeah, it's no, taking it's, its time it's to fantastic. get fantastic so I I agree with that so and I I appreciate your 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 names because I think both Jeff and I are. Are, are we're really big into kind of kind of current like quirky things and we can see those you know kind of innuendos or or puns and stuff and i think we appreciate that and so i think um and i know for me i'll go to a brewery and i'll actually order a beer just because of the name um and so i i do appreciate that i think there is a there's a a an art 
to that and a science to that to naming uh, and, and good names. So I, I really like the the names that you guys have come up with. So and, and I won't Google anything. So I spent a day all day today wondering who thinking of pop culture who Doctor Stengel was. That's funny. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> and and then when you explained it, realized well no, now I know I wasn't who Ben's, guess that. Yeah, I now I know who Ben Smash is too. So I was <laughs> you know I don't even have to ask about Ben Smash. So there, there's always a story. There's yeah, always a story. So, yeah. <laughs> So the I, I I made double IPAs and named them after each one of my kids. So the the Sammy and the Molly and then the Ben Smash. That's my my son. That's fantastic. That's so cool. I got a lot of Bens in my life. <laughs> you're like a you're like a rock star though, a musical artist that you know you're an artist and you have to name your craft after your kids. That's what they do, right? They write a song for their kid. You're you're making right. a beer for your kid. That's pretty cool. That's neat. So so, um, so, so tell oh go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say, Ben, I was going to put the marketer to work here for a second and tell us a little bit about what's special about Triceratops as a brewery and as a place to work. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think as a brewery, what what sets us apart is, and, and Rob's hinted to this a little bit, is that we kind of zig when, when other people zag. Um, and by that, I mean, like, you know, the beers that uh, I think have won people over, although we always have an IPA, are not IPAs. It's our fruit beers in the summertime. It's our Vienna Lager that's won awards. It's uh, our malty stuff like the Banjo Dog Brown. We do some awesome Irish beers in the springtime. We've got uh, stouts that people line up for. And I think, you know, when everybody's trying to make the same sort of hazy with, you know, citra and mosaic and galaxy hops. As delicious as that is, you know, how do you, how do you kind of stand out? And I think that we stand out by being something other than a haze factory, um, and also just being true to ourselves. I think that comes through in the beer. It comes through in the tap room. It comes through in, in our personalities, just sort of being being real, being genuine, um, you know, like Rob said, putting in the work and hopefully people see that, that uh, sort of bootstrapping quality of a small brewery, I think, is also sort of our, our calling card, too. Very cool. So I have a question kind of for you, if you can talk a little bit about it, is kind of what's next for Triceratops Brewing? Um, you know, obviously you can talk about the near future, but let's talk about maybe a little far, farther future. If you've thought, you know, thought about that as far as post COVID, that kind of stuff, like what are some goals, what are some plans and, and that kind of stuff? One, one part is that we've learned, um, and I think this will carry on after, you know, there's a vaccine and stuff is that people do want your beer in cans or in package that they can bring home. Um, and we used to can, uh, when I started, you know, Rob was canning his beers, but it was like, you know, every other month or so every six weeks, every eight weeks. And, uh, now, you know, like Rob said, it's 60, 65% of our beer is in cans and it reaches more people. It's available potentially longer to people than the draft beer, which is kind of here today, gone tomorrow. And it's also just good marketing to have your your stuff, you know, your Voorhees mask sitting on the shelf, catching people's eye. So I think that's going to be something that carries on. And 
you know, once we are able to ramp our sales back up, I think we'd love to get our own canning line because um, right now we're relying on a mobile canner. And that's another challenge that we have to deal with their schedule and their pricing and their QC and everything else, which can be a hassle sometimes. And then like Rob can go into more detail, but I think even longer term, you know, thinking two years, three years, um, actually, I think we'd prefer to be in a in a location that is a little more central with a little more foot traffic and with a little uh, with a more tap room space, assuming that, you know, people are going to be comfortable going back out to places sure. again. I think yeah. that's sort of a midterm you know, before the kids go to college. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's going to have to be some growth in our future for sure. The space I have now, I have enough room for five more tanks, but all of the support equipment for those five tanks wouldn't fit. So, you know, I'm really, I'm running out of space, trying to keep a very small barrel program going. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of limited. So we've pretty much, outgrown our space uh, within the next like three years, um, which just so happens is when our lease is up. So I think <laughs> that we're going to be looking for a more central location, maybe like the downtown Olympia area. Um, there's uh, a few spots uh, in the city that I would like uh, to possibly, you know, look into. Um, and with that, I would like to have tap room space to do, you know, to have like a, I don't want to, I don't want to be another brewery that's going to have a band playing every Friday night. I would like to be a brewery that's got a comedian in there every Friday night. And if <laughs> I could build a reputation in that location of having it as a, a stop for comedians between Seattle, Tacoma and Portland and actually, you know, maybe get to book a couple of decent names and bring people in. Cause that's one thing that Olympia doesn't really have. Um, and then with that, I'd want to serve food. I like the idea of different hot dogs, like with different toppings on them. There's a place in Tacoma, Washington, that does that, Red Hots. That's really awesome. They've got 18 different hot dogs on the menu. You can get everything from a Coney Island dog to a Chicago dog to a Dodger dog to a pizza dog to a, you know, to cool. stuff with peanut butter and bacon on it which is another thing that our area hasn't really seen uh, locally, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I know uh, we will be, we'll, we'll eventually have to move because I'll grow out of the space. Um, but there are just some, some thoughts and some ideas um, right now. I just more than anything um, to just kind of go back a little bit uh, with the, with the marketing pieces that Ben and I have tried to create a situation where I have a beer about once every month to once every six weeks that comes out that people have been waiting for 11 months for, 12 months for. And I have about eight or nine of them right now. And like next month, it's going to be the Molly. This month is the One Ball Pilsner. March is the Colin James Irish Red and the Pappy Export Stout. So I want to keep that going. I think there's maybe one or two more beers that we could fit in there. That people are excited. All right, yeah, the raspberry's back. It's going to be on, or the peach is here again. You know, and and, mm -hmm. and, and have some of those beers. Uh, you know, they're they're you know they're seasonal for different reasons. Uh, summer because the holidays. Uh, you know, I'll put the Irish Red out around St. Patty's Day. 
The Sammy IPA is coming out in July because that's her birthday month. Because that's when I brew the kids' beers is on their birthdays. And then, you know, the, the seasons of, of fruit with the, with the success that we've had with our fruited beers. So that's really kind of like what my short-term picture for Triceratops is, is to grab two or three more favorites for the community to go gaga over when I make them. And then long-term would be to, to move into a location where we can, uh, you know, facilitate more people and, uh, you know, have more foot traffic and stuff like that. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. I love the idea of, of a, a comedian, yeah. comedians available and, and save a little space for some podcasters from San Diego who think they're hilarious. Will you? I thought of like that. You, you said that we zig when they zag. That's a total zig when they zag. Like they're going to all have musicians. We're going to go comedians. So <laughs> no, it's really, I think it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So. <laughs> and I'm excited for you in, in the new space when it happens, but I hope it does not take us three years to get back yeah. to visit you in person. I need to get some pencil tucky lager, so I'm going to go back much quicker <laughs> than that. So, yeah. So Rob Horn, Ben Keen, thank you for joining us and giving us a chance to make up for a lost opportunity way back when. We look forward to making amends to that with an extended visit in the future. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, this was great. We really appreciate it. Listeners, thank you for spending the hour with us. We hope you've enjoyed the visit with Triceratops Brewing Company, Tumwater, Washington. Put it on your list of places to go and beers to find and beers to drink. Also on your list, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, subscribe, like us on your podcast service, spread the word. We'd love to keep going. Right now, we got to run. B double E double R U N, beer run. B double E double R U N, beer run. All we need is a 10 and a 5 or a car and a key and a sober driver. B-double-E-double-R-U-N, they're right.